0: Welcome back to part two on how it began. Welcome everybody. Welcome to early Shabbos band. (laughs) Hello. Hi everybody. It is really nice to see you all coming back. Um, And for those who are up to date, Tonight, we are going to be learning the letter of the Baal Shem Tov. Um, We spoke about it last week. Welcome, everybody. Okay, so let's get started. We're going to start by reviewing a little bit of what we did last week, and we're going to talk about the letter that the Baal Shem Tov actually wrote to his brother-in-law. So we started off last week talking about this concept of a mahapecha, this concept, where there was a revolution in time that began with the establishment of Hasidus that the Baal Shem Toh started, and we explained very clearly that there were—it was a two-pronged revolution. There was a physical devastation, and there was a spiritual devastation. The physical devastation, the physical difficulties that were happening to the people, was there was. People who were poor. There were people who were stuck out uh, working, who didn't have the opportunity to study and learn Torah. There were people who were being taxed by the pirates, There were people who lived very difficult lives, and physically they were not able to be where they needed to be in connection with their yiddishkeit. And then we spoke about spiritually as well that they were lacking and they didn't have, you know, the Torah. And when they did get the Torah, all they had learned was, you know, all they came to show for was people yelling at them and telling them, Mashiach's not coming because of you, and people were devastated because of Shafzai Tzvi. So we have this whole buildup that is kind of setting the foundation for the Baal Shem Tov to come and teach his Torah, which happens to be at this specific time, we're going to explain it tonight, this specific time that it had to happen at this certain time, and this was able to have a tremendous effect on his students and all the people to follow. So where we left off last night was that Hasidas came to teach us something incredible, it came to teach us that all those people who felt like they were on the outside were actually able to connect in their every single daily living moment, whether it was, you know, changing their tire in their wagon, whether it was sending their children off to school, whether it was in the field. Every single thing that they were doing was connected to a higher world, a higher purpose, and that the mitzvos and all of the tzvilos and everything that they were doing was kind of just part of the bigger picture. It was a means to an end, but it wasn't the end. So what we're going to do tonight is read through the only kisvehah that we have from the Baal Shanto, a letter that he wrote to his brother-in-law, Rukesh and Kitzever, and he explains about his meeting that he had with Mashiach. So there are many songs, I think, that came about from this letter, so we'll go through it slowly. Um, and if anybody has any questions, please let me know. And if you have questions after class, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, thank you, Hashem. I got very good feedback, and um, I'm so glad that we're getting to do this. Okay, so let's begin the letter. So he writes this letter, L'Chavod, his brother-in-law um, and, his, and his, his wonderful wife, who was the Baal Shem sister and all their children. And he, these letters were actually handwritten, right? This was back in the days before it was sent in email and everything, right? So these were handwritten letters that were delivered to him. And this letter came back. And this is what he describes. He describes this aliyah's Hanishama that he has, that is a projection of his soul up into Shemayim, which maybe is something a little far-fetched that we can't fully understand. But we do learn that the Baal Tov has done this, other times, but in this specific letter, he describes an aliyah's neshama that he has, that he projects himself so high, that he arrives at the chamber of Mashiach. So all of this letter that we have here is the root of the Yisod of all Hasidahs. So it's pretty remarkable what we have in here. So in 1747, the Baal Shem Tov has this aliyah's neshama, and what's most remarkable about this letter is that not only does he meet Mashiach but he also meets the other side. He meets, um, if you want to call him the Yitzhahara, if you want to call him the Satan, he meets him as well. So now in Rosh Hashanah, 1747, the Baal Shantov brought about in methods that he knew um, to be able to project himself up to Shemayim, to have this alias the Shema, and he saw things that he never saw before in his life. And he says, I saw and I learned things over there that I couldn't possibly describe to you. And when I started going up into the higher world, I saw a lot of nishamos. and some of them were living and some of them were not living. Some of them were known to me and some of these nishamos I never knew before. And there were so many and they were ruts of a show. They were, they were coming and going. They were running and returning. Some of them were alive and some of them had passed away before. Um, they were ascending and descending through this Amad, through a pillar. Okay, a pillar of fire, that's how they were ascending and descending. And I saw this whole commotion of joy um, as the neshamas were ascending. And he he writes that it's very hard to explain, it's hard to put into words um, what's happening here. Um, he saw some people who we can consider as who have done teshuva. And he saw their neshamas going up and he saw that their sins were forgiven. And I saw that in Shemayim, there was a tremendous yitzrattoh. That even in my own eyes I was able to see that it was really there was something wondrous happening and I saw all the neshamos of these let's call them their Rashaim or the bad people I saw that their teshuva was accepted and some of them I knew and some of them I didn't some of them you even knew he tells his brother-in-law and there was this really big simcha and the neshamos saw that I was trying to have this aliyah and they said come join me come with me please ascend with us um, and It says that he he um, asked his rebbe, who was Achia Shiloni at that time, if he can ascend, and he said yes, you can go ahead. And as he was making his way up, it says that he saw the sata, and the sata was coming along too. Um, And you know he he loves to crash a simcha, right? If anybody knows, like before they're making a simcha, there's always like some what we call minyis, like some way where the satan tries to get in to like make it not so happy so the satan's coming along he doesn't only mess around down here in this world he also you know makes a ruckus up there so he says i'm coming with you also and he joins along he never saw such a simcha. um and he was actually bu- you know busy with his gzera shmad and he was busy with shakzai he was doing his own thing and he decides to come up so when he communicated with his rebbe and said it was okay he thought maybe it was too dangerous for him to ascend to these higher worlds, but he said it's okay. And when he got up there, there was this tremendous simcha in Shemaim. There was tremendous joy. And he thought for one second that maybe, maybe this was it. Like maybe this was, you know, at his time where, you know, his neshama was going up to Shemaim. And they were very excited to see him. So he thought maybe he died. And they said, no, 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 don't worry. You didn't die yet. We're just happy to have your neshama up here. And he finally makes his way up. Um, to the chambers of Mashiach, and the souls and the neshamas tell him that we're so happy to see you. Not because you're di- not because you died; you're still here, but because of all the yehudim and all of the unifications that you are making down there in that world. We're so happy to see you because you're bringing tremendous simcha up here in Shemayim. So whatever the Baal Shem was doing downstairs in Shemayim, they were very happy to see. And now he enters the chamber of Mashiach and he comes there and he asks him these very famous words, Master, when will you be coming to this world? Right? I'm sure there's a lot of songs there, right? And this is what he told me. He gave me these these five tips. This is when he's coming down to this world, right? This is like the ultimate question, you know, like growing up. Like, I always remember, like, Birchus Yaakov, when they had asked Yaakov, like, tell us when Mashiach's coming, right? And he holds back, or he forgets, and he can't tell us, right? This is, this is the question. Like, this is what we want to know. Mashiach, when are you coming? And this is what he tells him. He tells him, number one, at the time that your way of teaching will spread and become revealed in this world, and... When your wellsprings will bring forth that I will teach you, you will spread forth and you will go out into the world. When your wellsprings will come out and at the point that the simple people will be able to make unifications and ascend like you. And when all the Klippos, which are, um, we can refer to them as husks, like the outside layer, right? If you have a, you know, you have a husk of corn, right? Your corn and you peel off the outside layer of it, those are the clippos, the peels of impurity will be destroyed, and it will be a tremendous eighth zone and a time for salvation. So this is what is like mic drop, right? This is what the what Mashiach is telling Mashantoh. He says at the time that your teachings will be spread all over the world and all the wellsprings will be forth and people will be learning chassidas, people will be learning about your ways. And when even simple people are going to be able to be miyache yehudim, are going to be able to do these unifications. And he says, I heard what he said, and I was really astonished, and I was really wondering, like, how long is this going to take? Like, when could this possibly happen? And he's saying that when he told him these ideas, he knew that this can come soon. As long as I make it my business, as long as I make it my life's purpose to be able to teach people to do this. So a lot of what he was told he couldn't necessarily reveal. But he did tell him one thing. And what was that one thing? And that's for me and you and all of us who are listening to know. And at the time of your davening and learning, every word that you say and every word that you utter, you should have in mind the unification of Hashem's name. And why? Because every letter, within every letter, there are olamos, which are worlds, there are neshamos, which are souls, and there's alokis, which is godliness. This is what I'm allowed to tell you. I'm allowed to tell you that when you're davening and when you're learning, what you should do is you should focus on every single letter and you should make these unifications, which I'll try to explain what these are, And when you have these unifications with Hashem's name, that is a way for you to help bring Mashiach. Okay, and he says that when you go down to this world, okay, this is the message that you should give over. Because every time you use these magic unifications, whatever they are, the olamas and the neshamas and the the lokus, the godliness, afterwards all the letters of your davening and all the letters of your learning are going to become bound to each other and those letters will form a word, and that will bring about the unity of Hashem, the locus, in, in Gaviness. So what you're trying to do is something very, very specific. I want you to concentrate on the words that you say when you're davening, and I want you to bind every single letter and eventually bring everything back to God, bring everything back to Hashem. Now, some of you have heard this phrase, in old Novato, right? We have a song... Tzalel sings it, Tzalel 11, it's incredible. The words of Enol Novado, you, you, it's only you, it's only you, Hashem. This idea of making these unifications is to bring back every single thing to Hashem. And the vote of the people in our time, okay, post Baal Shem Tov, right, after that, is really for a person to bring about this yichud, this oneness with the letters of davening, and to include and to bind his soul together to these letters. And all these worlds join together, and these worlds bring together a lot of joy to Hashem, a lot of pleasure. And he explains that if you understand it on a physical level, like the relationship between a Hassan and kala, between a husband and wife, he says that's like just in Katniss, that's a small, teeny, tiny drop of what it's like, that's a physical world, mushal, of what it's like to have a true unification with Hashem. So, so much more on a higher level, that binding of your soul takes place in the letters in the world above. So, on a physical level, we have a relationship between a husband and a wife, and on a spiritual world, we have a relationship between us and Hashem. So this sounds very lofty, What I'm going to try to do is break this down into something very short. I actually recently just learned this, maybe for the first time, from Rav Yasi Zakatinsky, um, in just how to make these small... Yehudim, how to connect letters and do something interesting. But just wait, I'll just finish the letter. And then Mashiach tells him, certainly Hashem is going to help you. And wherever you turn, you're going to be successful. And I'm asking you that this, and and, and shem Tov tells his brother-in-law, I'm asking you that you should daven for me with this kavana, and that everything is going to be good. He starts to tell him also about his little interaction that he had with the Satan. And then, you know, he tells the Satan, like, what are you doing here? Right? Like, I just had this, like, lofty, incredible meeting with Mashiach. And he told me, that when when my teachings come out, I'm going to bring Mashiach. But, like, what are you doing here? Right? You're the Satan. You're the bad guy. And the Satan says, what do you think? He's like, we work for the same boss. Everything that I'm doing is also for the sake of Hashem. So whatever I'm doing is also part of Hashem. You just need to figure out how, why, and where. Okay, so now, in order for us to understand this, because this is something very, very deep, I literally had to read this letter many, many times, even a few times before this class, before I sat down, to fully understand this. But in practical sense, let's try to understand what this is to be Miach and yichudim, what was the job of the Baal Shem Tov to teach us? So when it comes to the Torah that was given to us from Har Sinai. We have a level of Torah Shebech that was given to us that is Halacha Torah Mi We also had Pneim Yesa Torah, which was given to us in a very different format, in a format that needs to be developed over time. There was one form of Torah that we heard, not that it differs, it just wasn't fully developed. I heard beautifully from Rabbi Yossi that he explained that when you throw a rock into a water right there's one pebble that goes into the water and the rings keep spreading and spreading and spreading that is Prime satora Prime satora with every generation continues to grow and to grow and to grow and to eventually become the thing that it is today and not that it's different than it was when it was it's just understood by us differently and it could be that with Rabbi bishon and with the arizal they taught us a way to, to be me to connect on a very intellectual spiritual level what the Baal Shem Tov brought was something very, very practical that you and I can do. And he taught this example of when we are beginning Shmona Esrei, and we say, what are the famous words that we say when we first, the words from the, from the Siddur? We say, Hashem Sfasay Tivtach, Ufi Yagye Tehi We ask Hashem that our lips, Hashem Sfasay Tivtach, please open up my lips, Right? that my lips should be able to give over all, all the goodness, wherever you are. And with those words, we take three steps back, we take three steps forward, and then we start to begin this Shemona Esri, where we could pour our heart out. But if you just for one minute take a step back and look at those words of Hashem's Fasai we look at those words, the first word, okay? We can say that word, it's Adnai, right? Adnai is actually combined of two words. We have Aleph, which represents one, which represents all the oneness of Hashem. And then we have Dalid Nun, Yud, which represents Did. So if I can explain this idea correctly, which this is something very new to me, and I'm really, really learning this and trying to put this into practice when I come to Davening. What we do is, what we're, with this process, is the process of, let's say, making Yehudim or whatever it is. What we do is we say these words, there are din, and we want to connect the din back to Hashem. This is called mamtik Dinim. We want to sweeten the dinim. Could be that there's dinim in our lives. It could be that there's tragedy, and there's difficulty, and there's sickness, and there's people who are unwell, and people who don't have parnasa, and people who struggle with raising children. There's din. There is din in this world. But right before I start to daven, I want to say these words of Hashem's I want to be I want to sweeten the din that Hashem gives to us. And how do I do that? I take the din and I connect it to Aleph. I say, Aleph din. The din that we have in this world is all from you. Everything is from Hashem. And if you for one minute just think that before you enter your davening your davening is changed. I just started doing that. I just practiced it for the first time. This idea where I can take Hashem, who's Aleph, who's oneness, who's everything, everything comes from that Aleph, and I connect that to the Din, and I recognize that the Din and the Satan, who's joined the party upstairs, is all part of Aleph, is all part of Hashem. The good guy and the bad guy both work for Hashem. That already is changing my entire tewah. I beg you just to try it for one minute when you start to dive it. And then we say, Hashem Svasai Tiftach Ufi Yagid Tihila Secha. And this is something very incredible, something very lofty. We want to add the Aleph to Yagid. Yagid is when I'm able to speak it, where I'm able to say it, where the Shefa comes from, right? The Shefa flows in Yagid Tihila Secha. We take that Aleph, we break it down, and an Aleph is composed of a Yud, two Yuds, and one Vav right? We take one Yud and we add it to the word of Din, okay? So we have dal Yud, Nun, and we take the other Yud and we add it to the Gimel, which by the way could be a Nun, and then Yagid now has Hashem's name in it. I'll say it one more time. I feel like I need uh, to draw it over here. I need a little marker board, right? Take the word Yagid. Yagid is Yud, Gimel, Yud, Dal. Yagid, if you look at it for one second, can also be Din. Now that you add two Yud's from the Aleph to it, it becomes a Shefa, it becomes a flow where you add Hashem into Ya. So just having those thoughts for one minute of going into Davening is so magical. It changes everything that you are about to say. And even if you don't concentrate on the rest of Davening, you know that you're bringing Hashem into your Din. You're recognizing that the Din, the good guy and the bad guy, both work for the same person. You are that moment. You're at that moment bringing Hashem from this, from this lofty spiritual world that maybe you're not connected to, bringing it down here onto this world, and then putting it, infusing it into your tefillos. you're bringing it back up. So this is just one small little example of what it means to do the workings of the Baal Shanto. And it's so simple, it's so easy, and it's literally just based off the letters of the Alephi. Letters of the alphabets are so powerful, right? As a kid growing up, right, we're like so busy learning how to write all the letters, and you start to see well, some of the letters pop up in other letters, right? Like a nun can really be a, gim- a gimel, and a nun are the same. There's just one yud added over there, right? And aleph is comprised of two yuds and one vav. This is very very deep. For any of you who've been to Neve, Rabbi Marcus loves talking about the alphabets, and everything is back in its root of aleph. Everything is oneness. Everything brings back to Hashem. And this is the teaching that Hashem to wanted to teach us. That all we have to do is bring in this concept of eno movado, bring Hashem into the picture, and we can transform our entire daveni. We don't have to be this person who spends our entire day in the Mismetrius, which honestly, if I could, I totally would. I go back to seminary any day. But if I can't, how could I bring that into my daveni? I can do it like this. I can think about the letters. I can think about the words. Because within every single letter, the Baal Shem Tov says, that there are worlds, there's a lamos there's whole worlds, there's neshamos, and there's a locus. There's godliness in every single world. Every single word. And if you just think Adonai, Hashem, Aleph is connected to the Din, you're already in a, in a more elevated place. So now the question is, Right. If this is so magical, if this is so amazing, if I could sit here all night and tell you about all the different letters of the alphabet and how you could be miachin Hudim, then why did it take so long for the Balsheimtof to come to this world? Why did it have to go through a process of? Being, people didn't understand it. Then with, Re, with Rabbi Shimon Baruchayi, it became a little bit more clear. Then with our Rizal, became even more clear. And then with the Baal Shem Tov, even more clear. Why did it have to be a process? And why did we have to wait to the year 1739, 1740 for the Baal Shem Tov to come here? What was the reason for the wait? So this is pretty remarkable. And um, for those of you who have heard it before, it's amazing. And for those of you, for you who it's new, just take it in. And you can always rewind and listen back. It goes like this. We can understand, Hazal explained to us, that we can understand that every thousand years represents one day. Okay? So the Rambam divides history into 6,000 years based off the six days of creation that enter Shabbos, right? So we had six days of creation and then Hashem rested and we entered a period of Shabbos. Those six days of creation can be likened to 1,000 years. And at the end of those 6,000 years, what happens? We enter a period of Shabbos. We entered a period of Mashiach. So once the 6,000 years are complete, we enter this incredible period of Mashiach, which we don't fully understand. Maybe we hear some things of what's going to be. But at the end of those completion of 6,000 years, we will be able to enter Mashiach. Now, when the Baal Shem Tov entered this world, Okay. When he came, you know and started to be pile when he had his meeting with Mashiach that year That year that he came in here. It was the Hebrew year of Tufkuf, which is the year of five thousand five hundred That year begins the morning of the sixth millennia Okay, so we know that the sixth day is, is, is Friday, right? Friday is my favorite day Even though sometimes I work till four o'clock Friday is the best day, right? Fridays are Shabbos, right? We start teaching kids, like, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're counting down every single day to Shabbos, right? Tuesday, I make my grocery list. Wednesday, I put in my food order. Thursday, the food comes. Thursday night, I stay up late cooking. Friday, we're already starting to taste Shabbos, right? What does that called when we start to taste Shabbos? Chasidim, we're very into it. out, right? Tayama, Chaim, Zachum, right? Why is there a mitzvah for us to eat? Arishabas, right? Arishabas, everybody loves that have a little piece of kogol. I usually go to my mother on Friday and I pick up a potato kogol, right? I just can't do potato kogol. I blame it on my oven, but it just doesn't work. I don't know, for some reason the eggs separate and then we have like all the eggs on the bottom and my kids are like, why are we eating scrambled eggs and potato kogol? It's not potato kogol. So I go to my mother and I pick up some potato cobble. Um, But what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to taste Arashavis. why? Because once Shabbos is coming so close, we already get to have the enjoyment of Shabbos, right? We have, thank you, Hashem, um, we have the early Shabbos band that's in the middle of bringing tonight. And the concept of early Shabbos is very deep. The concept of early Shabbos is that I am so ready to taste our Shabbos. I'm so ready to taste Shabbos that I'm excited for it and I'm preparing myself for it. Um, and that's, by the way, like, I don't know if any of you noticed this, or maybe it's just my household, where the Satan, right, the Yitzhar, tries to trip up Ere right? All of a sudden, Ere there's like, oh, did you take a bath? You have to shower. Did you put the food in? I forgot to call a the freezer. Did you shut the light in the fridge? Right? There's so many things going on, so much mania. so much difficulty that happens right before Shabbos, because when we enter Shabbos, it's Yom Shakul Shabbos, it's Yom Manuha, it's a day of relaxation, it's a day of rest it's likened on a teeny tiny level as to of Mashiach. Because Mashiach is going to be that when we're completing the 6,000 years, we will enter a period Mashiach. So why do we have to wait Told the Shemto came to the world to give us a taste of what it would be like, Mashiach? Because we have to wait for era Shabbos. We have to look, if you look at the years, up until then, the Jewish people were in a place of Maybe Tovu. It was darkness. Think about what the world was, right, pre valshemto It was the Dark Ages, right? Like you read through history books. I mean, we're talking about the Black Plague, talking about serfs and lords, right? Not a period of revolution. Up until the time of Valshemto, there was darkness. It was really a period of darkness. And as soon as the Valshemto started to be Paul, started to explain when his light came to this world. All of a sudden, the lights and the taste of Mashiach came to this world. So the calculations came out that when Valshem Tov, in the year, let's say five, the Hebrew year of Tavkuf, that was the morning of the sixth millennia. That wasn't just a regular day; it was Er Shabbos. and we're starting to prepare for Shabbos. And like we like we say, Taimat, we start to taste Shabbos. because are very machfit on that mitzvah, right? Because this and this mitzvah, by the way, brought down Shacharnerch that. When it comes to Erev Shabbos, we're already connected to the Oros of Mashiach, which is Yom Shekola Shabbos. So really the calculations came out that we had to wait until Erev Shabbos period for us to be able to understand the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. Um, And, you know, they say at the times of Mashiach that there's going to be a great meal. And at Mashiach, I mean, when Mashiach is going to be sitting there and he's going to be serving and he's going to be talking and he's going to be... Getting over Torah, and he's going to be, it's called the meal of the Lev Yassan, um, when I was in seminary. This was before I was into any Hasidus. Um, Rabbi Sintarsha she had a marriage report, for those of you who went to Tzchava, and I chose the concept of the Lev Yassan. I had no idea what it was. I still don't really fully understand, but I do remember that my father came uh, to visit me in seminary, and I was like, can I use you now to help you with my marriage report, right? Because it was all about the Lev Yassan, and there was this concept that, like, when Mashiach comes, we're going to be sitting around and we're going to be eating the meal of the Lev Yassan, which is a fish, which is a sea creature, which is also connected to the tzaddikim, who are very deep, who are saturated in water, right? Tzaddikim are referred to in Hebrew as Nune hayama, that they're living in the water, right? Torah is compared to water, we can't live without Torah, right? Um, so this is the meal of tzaddikim. And the souls of tzaddikim are going to be sitting around, and they're going to be sitting around Mashiach, and they're all going to be talking about the secrets of the Torah. So for any of you who are going to be involved in the depths and the, and, and the deeper meanings of the mitzvot, those are going to be the people who are going to really be able to enjoy this meal at times of Mashiach comes. So there was a Torah that began to be revealed at Sinai, and then slowly over time this Torah is something that we started understanding more, which is the Pneumis and the, of the, Torah, the Kabbalah of the Torah. If you think about that example that I gave you about the rock that spreads and it keeps spreading, Hasidus. And the teachings of Panemius keep to, keep on spreading and keep growing, and it becomes connected to us. So, if you look at the calculations, according to these calculations of the seven thousand of the six thousand years and the seventh year being Mashiach, those correspond to the seven days of the week, and that's the Caesar of the Doros up until the times of the Balshanto. So, tough cloth. It means that the Jewish people now had a s'chost to taste. The foods of Shabbos. We got to taste a little potato. We got to taste a little schnitzel. By the way, the food that sometimes I serve at our Shabbos is even better than the food that I actually have on Shabbos. I don't know if anybody else experiences that. But in Panemius with the Baal Shem Tov, he started to teach these concepts in a very clear, open, and practical way that even simple Jews were able to dive in and taste this. And yes, there was Torah Sanigwa the Torah that we got at Har Sinai in the Grah, and he explains it. But the Torah and Nista, the inside, the hidden secrets, that was what the Baal Shem Tov started to teach us. And he had to wait till this exact time. Because you look in the time frame, it had to be Er Shabbos that he started to be Kyle. And all that he revealed was this Pneum Yisat Torah, just a little taste of what it's like to experience Shabbos. So if you ever experience a true Shabbos moment on Er Shabbos, and you feel it and you're calm and you're ready and your candles are prepared and your table is set Sometimes it doesn't always happen, but when it does and you go into Shabbos like that, you're like Are ready experience Shabbos, right? Sometimes you taste it. Sometimes you have a little high But when you go into Shabbos with that feeling, it's like I got this So we are right now in that time period now Mashiach can come earlier than 6,000 years and and Beita Heshena, right? Mashiach come in its time and it could come earlier but right now what you should know is that we are getting to experience that, um, that early Shabbos feel of being able to experience the the, the teachings of Val Shem Toh, the the concept of being Miachin and all these concepts that you can instill into your life, you're getting to taste our Shabbos. Okay. So thank you all for joining. Um, if anybody has any questions, please please feel free to message me Um, and I'm really looking forward to next week.